Thriving in Singleness, episode 73. This is the Thriving in Singleness podcast, where it's not about surviving, but thriving in this chapter of your life. Here are your hosts, Tom DeLong and Joshua Erickson. Hello and welcome to another episode of Thriving in Singleness. Hey, Josh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Tom. I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing good. Great to do another, another, another episode, episode and yeah. super stoked at, at what's coming up. Yeah, we're just keep going through episodes, one after the next. So yeah, we're, they're adding up. It's crazy how fast they add up. Oh yeah, so close. We're we're really you know yeah we're definitely jumping up there. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure you can notice. Not that we have too many clips of me speaking on the podcast on our Instagram. Tom's in high def now. I'm in high definition. I, I can I, see him clearly. Josh has been telling me for a long time that I need to be getting a better camera. And of course, like I've had so many times that I had trouble with my camera not working right. And so finally, you know, splurged on a twenty dollar webcam. So here I am. Hopefully you get you know. Hopefully we got a good reel of you soon, and then people can see it in just the great clarity that I get to see you in now. Yeah, yeah. One one other random tidbit uh, uh, as of recently. So uh, I am name dropped in the most recent Fallout Boy song. Did you know that? Have you listened to it? Okay, I have not. But okay. also, isn't there someone else with your same name that's famous? It still counts. Uh, so yeah. Is it? That's kind. Of, I don't know. You know, I'll take. I'll. I see where you're coming from. Yeah, in their but. in their new version of "We Didn't Start to Fire," which is brilliant. I'm okay. so glad that they did it. It's pretty cool. So I don't know if I would say your name dropped. I would say your name is dropped. My name is dropped. Yeah. So there's a little they, bit of a difference there. Yeah, they say you know Tom DeLong and aliens in their "We Didn't Start okay. the Fire." So I'm I'm in there. It's cool. I'm famous. Hey, I'll just need some verification that they're talking about you. As the time go along, okay. I'm not uh, obsessed you know. with aliens. I'm hey, not, but I won't. I won't steal that from you though. Well, All right, you can. You can. You can I'll just, take what I can yeah. get. Take what but you man, get. But man, but man, today's episode was awesome. Uh, just great yeah. conversation with Taylor. Uh, being married to Christ, what that looks like. Uh, you know, the comparisons drawing from you know uh, regular marriage uh, to what it's like to be married to Christ. I mean, what are your gleanings from that episode? Yeah, it was great. I was, we were able to kind of touch on later in the episode because it's something. That I've always kind of, when I hear married married to Christ, it's like, okay, do I really feel like that's normal or do I feel weird about it? And we were able to kind of dive into um, that a little bit and it, it was good for me to kind of have that conversation because sometimes you don't have these conversations about what it means to be married to Christ or those type of, that verbiage that maybe you're, you're kind of like, I yeah, I get it, it's in the Bible, but do I really identify that way? Do I feel like that is something that I look like? Is that some? Is that the way I look at my relationship with Christ as marriage? And it was cool to kind of dive into that and very insightful for sure. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. Um, we even dove into anxiety a little bit. Um, I I didn't want to kind of surpass that opportunity because I know Taylor, you know, talked about having those struggles in the past and really wanted to hear about how that how she'd overcome that because anxiety is just such a such a commonly mm-hmm. used term. A lot of people are struggling with that. And they're they're looking for ways to get out of it. And I thought it was it was important that we talked about that for at least a little bit. And it was great hearing her insights on how she's overcome that, how uh, she's moved past anxiety. And and so I'm glad we glad we dabbled into that. I think you know 
in this day and age where everybody's sucked mm-hmm. into social media so much, a lot of comparison, I think that's a really huge factor of what's going on with that. So, um, yeah, definitely worth, you know, having a conversation about that, but yeah, really, really good, well-rounded conversation about, you know, being married to Christ, what that looks like. So, you know, I don't want to, you know, delay getting to that episode anymore, but yeah, let's, let's go ahead and we'll bring in Taylor. Hello and welcome to another episode of Thriving in Singleness. Today we have Taylor Sear with us. She is returning from episode 36 and she was also on our Valentine's Day episode. So she may seem a little bit familiar, but we, we definitely wanted to have her back on. Uh, and it's, it's been a little while, been a lot, of, a lot of changes since then and excited to hear what's going on in her life. So uh, alongside us, Josh is hanging out as well. Yep. So uh Checking in, Josh. I'm in the background. I'm here. Awesome. Right here in the background. <laughs> yep. So, Taylor, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to be back. I've always loved our conversations um, between us three and even the group one on Valentine's Day. So, super stoked to be awesome. here. Awesome. Definitely. Great to have you. And, you know, I've seen recently on your Instagram that you've been posting about Young Life mm-hmm. and you're a Young Life leader now. Is that right? I am. So, I recently awesome. moved from Dallas to a small town and got involved with their Young Life uh, program at the local high school. So super fun. That's so cool. Oh, man, that's awesome. Like anybody who has listened to my podcast enough knows that I led Young Life and I absolutely loved it. It was a great time of, of, you know, one of the things I did in my singleness Mm -hmm. that helped me to do my singleness well. You know, so I just speak very highly of the idea of leading Young Life. And I'll tell you one of my Young Life hacks as a leader. So, um, as I've said probably multiple times, that when I was leading Young Life and I was working on my family's dairy farm, I was just like running and gunning, always on the move. And for about three and a half years that I led Young Life, I was half awake the entire time. So I was just exhausted. And so oftentimes on uh, after football games, we had what's called fifth quarter, which was this event that, uh, you know, some uh, Christian family put on. And, you know, all these kids would come out and it would just be just kind of a, you know, after the game hangout thing and just a great environment to be in. And so that would go pretty late. And I usually had to milk the cows early the next morning. And so I made sure to take my motorcycle to fifth quarter because I knew that one of the Young Life kids would be like, hey, Tom, can you take me home? (laughs) And just with how big the district was, it would add like 45 minutes to an hour until I actually got home. And so when they would say, oh, Tom, can you take me home? I'm like, oh, man, I'm sorry. I brought my motorcycle today. I can't, you know, so then I would actually be able to just kind of go straight home after I was uh, done hanging out at fifth quarter. But smart. yeah, one of, one of my one of my smart, selfish, young life leader hacks. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, what what's one of the greatest things that you've experienced as a young life leader? Um. I think the greatest experience so far has been this summer when I took my girls to summer camp and we were up in Colorado Mm. and it was incredible. Just the scenery was beautiful. I really love the mountains in general and it was summer. So the weather was perfect, but it was the very last day of camp and at young life camp, they do this thing where um, anybody who throughout the week has decided that they want to know more about Jesus or they have decided to follow Jesus or they're curious about what salvation means can go to this meeting essentially and learn scripturally what that looks like. 
And I had two girls, they're seniors, and they went off to college after this, but they decided they wanted to learn more. And after the meeting was over, they were hanging out with me and they were like, you know, Taylor, like we're really interested in, in what they are talking about. And I asked them, I was like, well, have you ever fully, you know, given your life over to the Lord or have you asked for repentance? Like, have you gone through these, these conversations between the Lord? And they're like, well, no, we haven't. I was like, okay, well, do you want to? And one girl's a little shy and her best friend was like, no, we just need to do it now. Like we need, we know that we need to do this. And so <laughs> I explained to them that it's not about the words that you say, but it's about the contents of your heart. And if you genuinely want to follow Jesus, then let's do it. And so, you know, we prayed over each other, prayed over them. Um, they prayed and just gave their hearts to the Lord and they're just crying and sobbing. But the coolest oh, part, was afterwards because this little auditorium had, had, um, completely emptied and we walk up and we're going out the doors and the young life staff had just let us have this moment. And they lined the outside sidewalk from the doors and were cheering on what the girls just had done, which was to give their lives mm. to the Lord. And it just reminded me that was an earthly picture of what scripture talks about when it says when one sinner repents, there is just shouts of joy in heaven. And so that was probably the coolest thing I've experienced in young life so far. That is beautiful. That's, and that's where, what I love so much about young life is it's, it's straight to just the gospel sharing who Jesus was, what he did for us, what sin is and how he has saved us from it. And it's, it's just targeting the, the children in a way that just shows them like, Hey, you know, we're going to teach you the gospel in a way that you haven't heard it before, as though you haven't heard it before. Because oftentimes, you know, you, you get a youth group and there's typically a message you're speaking to Christians. And that's good. And that's okay. Because like Christians need to be able to grow and learn more, uh, you know, young life, just with a specific mission of we're outreaching to these kids. And, and so it's just awesome when you see that being effective. Awesome when, you know, God is using you as part of his story and his, his way of outreaching to these children. And so it's, it, man, it's just such a blessing to be part of that. Uh, anybody who's in their singleness, I'm always encouraging them. Uh, you know, this is this is something to look into. See if this fits into your life. This is something you can do. And um, but yeah, yeah, young life. It's it's a lot of fun. It's the best. I'm a big fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Taylor, uh, what else has been on your heart lately that you'd like to discuss with us? So, um. And I, I know recently, you know, other other life updates. You moved from California to Texas, mm-hmm. so a lot of a lot of cool changes. And so we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about kind of what God has been doing on your heart through that, and we'll we'll dig into you know what what you feel prepared to share with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think part of it you mentioned the Texas move. I'd lived here before, moved back to California, um, and then. About a year and a half ago, I moved back to Texas, and I think it was very Holy Spirit-led, and I've been growing a lot. Uh, God has just placed a lot of important people in my life that have helped me see things that I didn't see, maybe point out some not super awesome habits. I don't know, just little things, you know, and mm-hmm. I've grown a lot, and I am super excited about it. But more recently, I think God has really uh, been teaching me about marriage, and I'm single and not married. So it's interesting mm-hmm. to have God kind of put that idea on my heart. And it's not even necessarily in the way of, you know, I want you to specifically to prepare for your spouse one day, 
I have felt that, but more so before that, it was what does our relationship with God look like in comparison to a marriage? Because scripture does compare our relationship with him and Christ to the church as a marriage, multiple places, Mm -hmm. uh, Old Testament, New Testament, in Isaiah, in Hosea, in Ephesians. So it's been very interesting to study marriage from the eyes of my relationship with God. So what what do you feel, uh, you know, in, in kind of a recap, what what has it been that you've been learning? Well, I've been learning a lot about the idea that we're almost already married even before we are actually married in the earthly sense mm-hmm. of the term. We were created okay. for relationship with God and he created us for this deep, intimate, vulnerable, honest relationship with him. And that gets overlooked, I think, very often because we think of this God as a faraway God or as an up there God, instead of one who wants to speak with us daily, who wants us to come to him when we're having a rough day, who wants to be our comfort. There are these very specific qualities that God talks about all throughout scripture that we have access to experiencing, but because we don't attribute those qualities to him in every moment or in the small details, we miss out. God even kind of reminded me of Philippians 4, 6, and 7, uh, which was something that when I used to struggle with anxiety really bad, I would kind of try to recite that scripture. And that just says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation with prayer and petition, make your request known to God with thanksgiving. Um, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. I'm just going to pray my way through anxiety. God was like, well, you're missing one important key. It says in every situation or in every circumstance. And he really convicted me that even in the smallest things, I'm not coming to him. And, you know, marriage is that in every situation, you're partnering with your spouse and going through life. You know, when you have a bad day from work, you're processing it with them. When you are making a big decision, you're processing it with them. When you are thinking about what you're going to spend your money on, you're processing it with them, or at least you should be in, in my opinion and what I've seen, um, in healthy marriages around me. And so why am I not doing that with God? Um, and Ephesians or not Ephesians, Isaiah 54, it talks about the Lord, our maker being our husband and him being our redeemer and him being all these different things. And Ephesians five, when Paul's talking about marriage, he also mentions, I'm actually talking about Christ in the church, but also you know, husbands love your wives as Christ loved them. Yeah. So it's this very interesting, like mysterious relationship. Um, but that's ultimately what I think God is trying to get at when he compares marriage to our relationship with him. And that's some, that those are things that I've been thinking about and working on in my personal relationship with God. That's awesome. And, and I know you touched on uh, your anxiety a little bit, mm-hmm. and that's something that you previously talked that, you you struggled with quite a lot. Has that gotten better for you? Oh, yes. Leaps and bounds. And I think it is in connection with growing and understanding of God and his character and his power. I never want to downplay people's anxiety or struggles with different mental illnesses. However, I think that there's something to be said when I went from having multiple anxiety or panic attacks every week two to mm-hmm. three, four to five to, I think I've had two this entire year. So oh, wow. 
leaps and bounds. And I think it was five. That speaks a lot as a young life leader too. Oh yeah. Like, and I have, <laughs> there's a lot of stress there, life, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and young life yeah. is crazy. And you're right about the no sleep thing. Like you're always doing stuff. Kids are always over. Mm-hmm. Kids are always, you know, hanging out, which is awesome. No complaint. But yeah. You'd think there'd be a little bit more stress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I know I had a massage, you know, one time while I was leading Young Life, and the masseuse told me that I had more knots in my back than, you know, the mothers <laughs> that she tends to uh, massage. Because there's there's a lot of stress there. It's not just you know doing doing Young Life, but you're you're hanging out with the kids constantly. So there's definitely that. And so you know, I know we didn't really talk about you know digging into the anxiety aspect at all, but it is something I I do want to talk a little bit more sure. about, and that's simply because you hear it all the time. Everybody is talking anxiety, anxiety, anxiety. And so I'm curious what your opinion is as far as what is it that causes the anxiety and what is it that is essential for overcoming that anxiety? Yeah, that's a great question. And you are absolutely right. Anxiety and even other mental illnesses are talked a lot about. They're kind of buzzwords right now. And I think the biggest thing that I've realizes I had to take a step back and ask myself some really honest questions of why am I feeling this way? Where could it be coming from? And also look at my family. It was very heavily running through my mom's side where my aunt, her sister, my mom and their mom, my grandma all struggled with debilitating anxiety where they, you know, wouldn't drive or they wouldn't go to the store. And I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. there's something going on here. And um, I did go see, two therapists. One was a Christian therapist and she just very much infused God's word into it. But I think I ultimately had a little bit more breakthrough in my anxiety is realizing that God is powerful enough to step into it and wants to step into it. Um, I did a very intentional study on the attributes of God and God's character and what scripture has to say about it. And I would pray that over myself, over my mind, over my heart, like kind of like the guy when Uh, in the new Testament talking with Jesus, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And just praying that in unison with the other scriptures about God's character, I began to actually believe the words I was saying and was able to say, okay, God, you created my body. So I pray that in this moment, you would demand every cell in my body to act the way that you created them to act. And you would mm-hmm. give me that peace that will guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus in Philippians 4, 6, and 7 because I'm bringing every circumstance to you. Um, I also had a few scriptures that I, were like my speed dial emergency scriptures that I would just pray over myself. Philippians, or not Philippians, why do I keep going back to Philippians? Psalm 147 was mm-hmm. one of them. And it just is David being really real about his feelings. And so I would model that and be real about how I was feeling and just say, God, you're my God, you're my father hear me out for a second and just be the comfort that I need. Uh, Second Corinthians yeah. one talks about comfort. So just really diving into what scripture has to say. The other thing that really helped was understanding the idea in Proverbs of there's life and death in the power of our tongues. And so I stopped saying that I have anxiety or I was diagnosed with anxiety or mm. um, I stopped saying that I have a, an anxiety disorder, even though that is what the therapists and the doctors said. I stopped saying it because I didn't want that to become part of my identity anymore. And although I continued to struggle with it after I stopped saying that, what I realized is I stopped giving it ownership and a placeholder in my life and in my mind. And so whenever I would experience anxiety, I 
I gave it a, a deadline. I didn't say this is how long you're going to last, but I remembered in my mind, this isn't who I am. This is just something I'm struggling with in this moment. And it will end because all the other ones have ended. All the other ones didn't last forever. And God always came through. And then anytime those feelings would start to spurt in my heart, it became just quicker and quicker and quicker of a response where I was like, okay, God, I'm feeling the tinglings of a panic attack. I'm coming to you and we're just going to work through this. And by the time I knew it, it went from, like I said earlier, having a lot to having maybe one or two in this entire year. So that's awesome. Super awesome. God's super good. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that habit? that maybe you've developed um, with dealing with anxiety of watching what you say, you know, how you connect with it, how you don't make it a label or something that, you know, I am this or I, this is a part of me. Have you seen that in, you know, be used in other areas of your life? That's like, I, I think it popped up in my mind in a sense, like singleness, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people who struggle with singleness, they can attach it to their identity. They can use it as a label and that can really bring them down. Have you, I guess, is that something that you've seen? Because habits oftentimes in certain areas do uh, transfer and you know, are useful in other areas. Is that something that you've seen in other areas of your life you've used? I think so. In many different areas, whether it's work or being a young life leader or um, my podcast or ministry things or even my singleness, mm -hmm. I've noticed that whether it was subconsciously or consciously, I stopped saying certain things to leave room for God to do what he wants in that situation. And even in my singleness, like, yeah, my desire is to get married and that may or may not ever happen. However, I'm not going to say things like, well, I'm just going to be single forever. Or I guess God's never going to bring mm -hmm. me somebody because life and death resides in the power of our tongues. Like I don't want to speak things. And that's not like people might think of manifesting and things like that with the words that I'm saying, but it's completely different when you do it in the sense of scripture. Um, and so speaking life, the life of scripture, um, Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And he's the word as John one, one talks about. So when we speak those words over us, then that becomes more so what your mind thinks about. So yeah, I've definitely applied that idea to a bunch of different areas and it's helped. Yeah, it's one of those things that I've noticed in my life that you wouldn't think it makes such a big impact. Just the way you even respond to situations mentally. You're just like, oh, this happened to me. And then you have that inner dialogue. But if you think about it, how often do your thoughts actually affect you physically? Like, you know, you can think about something and all of a sudden feel different. Yeah. You know, bodily just because your thoughts and that is such a powerful effect on you as a person. It really it should, in a sense, raise a flag that I need to be aware of my thoughts because they have a direct connection to how I live my life, how I walk it out, my health, all those things. And it's tough because you have habits oftentimes when you grow up and how you think about yourself and, and how you go about certain situations. And you just don't notice until you address them. You don't notice until you're no longer thinking that way or you're no longer walking in, you know, thought patterns that maybe have been debilitating to you, but you're like, oh, this is normal. But yeah, it's one of those things where you have to, to kind of adjust things in your life to really see the difference. But thoughts are 
directly connected to how we walk out our, you know, physical day and not just, you know, the mental side of things. Absolutely. And connecting that to even that scripture that says, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. You know, we, sometimes we hear that scripture, or maybe we haven't heard that scripture before, but that's powerful. And to think about, think about our thoughts in a way of like, why am I hearing this? Why am I thinking this? Why did that thought pop in? And you might not ever get to the why, but just starting to really think about the situation that you're in or unhealthy patterns from the past that you just noticed are like a common theme in your life. And my therapist, shout out to her. She's awesome. Her name's Jamie. And um, she explained to me that you can combine verses like Philippians 4, that says, finally, brothers and sisters, think about things that are true, excellent, noble, praiseworthy, all those things. But first and foremost, that first thing that Paul said was true. You can combine that scripture with the take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And so anytime we have a thought that starts to stir these feelings, we're going to take that and say, okay, I'm going to compare this to my reality. I'm going to compare this to truth. I'm going to compare this to facts and evidence. And if I don't have facts and evidence to back up this thought, then it's not true and it's not worth spending time thinking about and giving that over to the Lord saying, Lord, this isn't a true thought. You're the way, the truth and the life. So I'm going to make you the king of my thoughts and I'm going to make this thought obedient to you. And that has also been helpful. And again, you don't realize that you're being freed from these things until even if you have a conversation with it about it with somebody um, or when you're, you know, like me four years down the line. And I was like, wait a second, this is happening less and less, but I didn't realize it until I was a year in or two years in. So when, when we look at being married to Christ and our internal thoughts, do you think, you know, internally thinking about how we're married to Christ allows us to overcome anxiety and the different struggles that we face in our lives and and for those in singleness and allows them to, you know, overcome many of the struggles that are faced in that? I think so. I think that there's a lot of different feelings and emotions that single people feel, especially when there is a desire to be married that is sometimes stronger than maybe other people's. Um, there's varying mm-hmm. degrees of desire and sometimes it ebbs and flows, but there's a lot of emotions that are felt. There's anxiety of, am I just going to have to do life by myself for the rest of my life? Am I going to mm-hmm. ever find somebody? But I think when you allow God to have the rightful place in our minds, in our hearts, um, it's like the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's four parts of us that are all aimed at loving God then we actually do experience a different level of peace and understanding of ourselves first and foremost Mm -hmm. of where these thoughts are coming from, how I can be in control of them, but also what does that mean for my life and my relationship with God? And that's something that I've intentionally been trying to work on. Um, I kind of designed my own journal off of this where Mm -hmm. there's sections of it where I just, go in and I can write my thoughts and feelings in that moment. And I can write, God, I don't understand this or why this, or this is the emotion that I'm having because of this situation. And I can just be vulnerable and be honest with God. But then Mm -hmm. it's followed by attacking, not attacking, I guess attacking those feelings and emotions with a specific value um, or attribute or characteristic of God and how it directly combats that emotion that I'm feeling. And Mm -hmm. after that, I wrap it up with what does God's word say about myself? What does it say about my identity and who I am? And that in and of itself 
has really helped me understand what my relationship with God can look like compared to what it does right now. And also in light of my singleness, how much greater that relationship is than any other relationship that I could ever get in because of the benefits. Psalm says, remember the Lord and forget not his benefits. Like we're allowed to think that and we're allowed to say that because they're there for our use because God wants mm -hmm. to take care of us. Yeah, absolutely. What are your thoughts and... being married to the mm. idea of being married to Christ? Because we're single and you're not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and so, you know, a marriage, you know, foundation of marriage is commitment mm -hmm. and there's trust and so when you're when you're married to Christ, you know, you want to be applying the same principles. You want to be, you know, committed to the Lord as you know he is committed to you. You need to commit yourself to the Lord and you have to trust that, you know, he has the best for you in mind. And you know, we can often feel like, you know, the timing could be better, you know, we're we're like, you know, hey, like what's going on here? Why am I still you know, why am I still single? How come you know, the right person hasn't come along yet. And, you know, like what's going on here. And so it's so easy to, to not express the level of trust that's necessary in the, in the marriage relationship that we have with Christ. And so we need to constantly remind ourselves, you know, look, you know, I, I'm in this, in this committed relationship with Christ. I'm in this marriage with Christ and so what, what does that look like? And, and how am I, how am I handling the different aspects of that? And, you know, are you, are you praying to God? Are you, are you communicating with him? Are you in this scripture? You know, are you allowing the things that you read to really just, just resonate with you and, and just allowing it to process and, you know, have an effect on the way you're living your life. So, you know, is a the communication there? I'll tell you what, I'm, pretty crummy sometimes at communicating with my wife. She'll tell you that. I mean, I, you know, oh, by the way, I have a podcast recording tonight. Meanwhile, she's like halfway through making dinner and I've only got like 10 minutes to sit down and eat it. So like, that's, that's really crummy on my part. And so, you know, how often are we communicating with God about, you know, what's going on in our lives, the, our, our wants, our needs, our desires. And, you know, I think, you know, all those aspects of, of just that communication with the Lord and, uh, you know, and being, being committed, you, you know, know how, how are we living through our lives in a, in a committed state of our, our marriage with Christ? You know, are we, are we living as though, as though we are married to Christ or are we doing things that would be looked at as, as, you know, going behind his back or going against his grain, you know, cause I, I have to live my day. Uh, I have to live my life day in and day out as though I'm married to my wife. And, you know, of course I do that. I, I make sure every decision, like I'm, I'm appropriately handling myself. I'm not, you know, flirting with a cashier or anything like that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm living my life as though I'm married to my wife, which of course I am. And so that does affect every decision, every, uh, every moment and just my overall mentality. So I think just applying that mentality to, being being married to Christ is this is my committed relationship and I'm going to trust in the Lord with this. I'm going to communicate with the Lord in this. And so I think that just helps so much in the way we go about our lives, the way we're able to trust him and the way we're able to, you know, 
live out singleness, which is which is tough when you're focused on on the the difficult aspects of it. You know, if if I just focus on the difficult aspects of of marriage, which marriage is difficult, you know, uh, as Paul talks about in um, in Corinthians, I believe he talks about how he he wishes everyone could be happy being single like he is, you know, and, and there's a lot of things, there's a lot of struggles that he doesn't have to face in his singleness, which, and there's, there's true. I mean, and you have to realize there's going to be struggles and there's going to be trials on each side of, you know, whether you're single, whether, whether you're married, it's just going to change. Yeah. And it's important to just approach the, the different struggles that you have. And you don't want to be focusing on the negative aspects of, where you are. And so if I'm continually focusing on the negative aspects of my marriage with Larissa, I'm going to develop over time a pretty sour attitude towards her and towards our marriage. Just like you you mentioned about your your internal thoughts and how that affects the way that you're living your life, your attitude and how you identify. Do you identify as someone who struggles with anxiety or do you identify with somebody that is married to Christ and isn't allowing yourself to be overcome with anxiety. And so, you know, the internal thoughts is huge, you know, cause then when you're in your, when you're in your singleness, you know, you do have to live your life as you're married to Christ and you're committed to him and not allowing your inner thoughts to overcome, uh, overcome your relationship with him. Don't allow your inner thoughts of doubt, your level, your inner thoughts of insecurity, your inner thoughts of a sense of, a sense of loss for what you feel you should have, but don't have or don't have yet. And so that's, that's all, you know, kind of, kind of my thoughts on, on the correlation of, you know, being married to Christ or, or being married in real life. There's definitely so many, similarities in there and principles that that need to be applied in that that's an excellent question though i like that i have to throw this out there yeah it's been on my mind or even when i hear about what does it mean to be you know or talking about being married to christ do you think that our view of marriage in culture in this day and age is do we think, or do you think that that view affects what it actually means to be married to Christ? Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> because I, f- I feel like we look at marriage one way, and yeah. sometimes the way we look at marriage, just you know, the romantic side, the the physical side, all mm. these things that maybe we've made marriage out to be when it's not maybe all about that. And you touched about like marriage is, you know, I think marriage, it's all about sacrifice, right? It's all yep. about commitment. It's about these things. Do you think that it's hard for us to sometimes stomach, oh, I'm married to Christ. That feels weird. It's not like, what does that mean? Do you think that's because we we look at marriage maybe in not the way that God's intended us to look at it or or the, see, the, see it in the way that he wants us to see it? Does that make sense, my question? Makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And I think that you're exactly right, especially in the United States, because we don't have the same concept of marriage where in some countries, like they are, they have arranged marriages still. And they do not like marriage or sorry, let me rephrase that. Divorce rates are so low compared to the divorce rate in the United States 
in countries mm-hmm. with arranged marriages. And I think that that's for a reason because they understand the concept of commitment. They mm-hmm. were given to this person and they are now committed for the rest of their life. And they have kids together. They have a house. They have all these different things. Like they have a life and they stick mm-hmm. with it. And I think that that's a huge reason why our relationships with the Lord look the way that they do as well, because we have this idea of, okay, well, I've fallen out of love with this person, so I'm going to get a divorce and I'm going to move on to the next person. I'm going to get married again. Mm -hmm. When in all reality, like God at the very beginning, when he created this idea of marriage, did not intend for divorce to be an option. And unfortunately, it happens, but that wasn't the end in mind for God when he created marriage and scripture is clear about that as well of just it breaks God's heart because he sees how much it breaks our heart. But in comparison to marriage, that's the same thing with God. We, I think sometimes we are like, well, I'm not feeling it today. So I'm just going to go do what I want to do. And we miss out Mm -hmm. on the beauty that comes from the commitment and comes from the sacrifice of sticking it out when it's difficult. And that's where the depth grows. That's where the, the, beauty comes like I just I can't think of a better word than beauty because imagine how much stronger your relationship with someone can get when you go through difficulties there's even this thing called trauma Mm -hmm. bonding where you go through something difficult (laughs) together and you feel closer to them and obviously that's not entirely the same concept but when we go through our difficulties with the Lord and we choose to stay committed to him and stick it out our relationship with him grows in a way that I don't think would otherwise like when Paul was asking for his thorn to be taken and God said, no, my power is made perfect in your weakness. And Paul said, okay, Hmm. then I'm going to boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. And it's like, wait a second. So you're telling me that in my weakness, I'm able to experience Christ's power in a way that I wouldn't have been able to otherwise, unless I was weak in this area. Super wild. But it's the same thing with marriage. Our culture has influenced our ideas of marriage. And since God only created marriage to be a reflection of his relationship with us, it deeply affects our approach to God, our understanding of our relationship with him and what it's supposed to look like. It's wild. Yeah. How often do people get out of relationships because they're not getting what they want out of it? They're Mm -hmm. not being fulfilled. And how often do people turn away from their faith for the same reasons? Oh, God wasn't doing these things in my life. He wasn't answering my prayers. He wasn't doing these things for me. Both situations are self-centered relationships it's it's about me and that's kind of the you know if we look at relationships marriage in an unhealthy way with other humans it's going to be the same issues with god when we when we get down to it and we're like oh i want what i want i need what i need and it's not about the other person it's not about god it's not about you know focusing on what um, i should be focusing on it's something i'll have to chew on the because the marriage thing being married to christ it's it's something that I think there's depth to it. And anytime there's yeah. depth, sometimes it's hard to wrap your mind around it. It might feel weird. It might be hard to understand. And especially if it's in the Bible, a lot of things in the Bible, just because it might feel weird or awkward or hard to understand doesn't mean that it is. And that's when you need to seek more understanding about it. You need to pray about it. You need to ask God you know, to shine a light more on the things that you don't understand. Rather than just being like, oh, that's weird. I'm not going to touch that. I'm not going to. I'm not going to talk about it that way, um, because I think that's the natural response. Like, oh yeah, I'm married to Christ. You know, that's it, it's that that feeling that sometimes you can be like, oh yeah, I, I get the concept, but I don't really want to connect with it. 
But when the Bible talks about it and it's like a main theme, uh, we have to make sure we try to dive into it, what it actually means. Yeah. I think it's important to keep a biblical perspective of marriage where it is, it is commitment. Like you are, Mm -hmm. you're in it till the end of your life. And, uh, you know, you mentioned about, you know, arranged marriage, you know, still being a thing. And, and it is, I mean, I have, I actually have a coworker. I recently found out she was in an arranged marriage and you know what? They're, they're married, they're happily married. And, you know, I think that speaks volumes to the, the other culture Mm -hmm. and, and how, how they, they respect uh, what it means to be committed. They understand, you know, their roles in the marriage and they're committed to doing well in the marriage and, and being loving in the marriage and growing a family. And like, that's a beautiful thing. And, and I need to have a conversation with her about it. Just like, just hear her, her take on it because, you know, there's, you know, I, I got a lot of respect for the fact of, you know, coming from a culture that is that committed and that dedicated to where they're able to do that. I mean, I think that's, that's an awesome thing that they're able to, you know, make a good, life from that arranged marriage. And I'm sure there's people in their singleness is like, well, I could, I could settle for an arranged marriage at this point. Like, (laughs) um, but I think in America, it is easy to have a distorted view of marriage. You know, there's different, definitely a different view of marriage, uh, from the Christian perspective and the secular perspective where oftentimes in the secular perspective, you know, you're going into it with a thought of, you know, yeah, at, at least there's a way out, you know, at least this, you know, if, if it gets bad, then, then I can get out of this. I'm going to, you know, try, try my best, you know, hopefully this works. And, and, you know, there's, there's such a different perspective in Christianity, uh, that, that a different per- picture that God has given us of marriage, that this is, this is something designed by him. This is something for a commitment. And that's the approach that we need to take in our marriage with Christ. I agree. And I think like what you were mentioning earlier about your relationship, it, all these little things in my mind started clicking um, because it's so mm-hmm. beautiful how God is so intentional about all the details. And even in your experience with marriage, that's those are biblical things. Even when you're flipping it to your relationship with, with Jesus, you know, you understand and you're living your life as if you are married and committed for the rest of your life to your wife. Imagine if mm-hmm. we on a daily basis woke up in the morning and said, okay, I have my wedding ring on, so to speak. I'm committed mm-hmm. to Jesus. I'm going to live my life as such. I'm not going to, like you said, flirt with other cashiers. What does that mean? I'm not going to ignore him, give him the silent treatment because that's not healthy. I'm not going to not communicate with him well because that wouldn't work in a marriage. You know, thinking about Mm -hmm. practical things that we see don't work in our human relationships. Why are we thinking that those things are going to work in our relationship with the Lord? And so having conversations with God, being intentional, just like what you said, not flirting with cashier. What does that mean? Not flirting with our sin and going to him when we're having a conversation, not saying, Oh, Mm -hmm. it's this one's okay because I feel X, Y, Z. Okay. But how would your spouse feel about that? If you were married, Mm -hmm. what would they feel? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, ask yourself, how does God feel about this? You know, the whole book of Hosea is this prophet that God told, Hey, go marry this prostitute. And he had to go buy her back. But then the whole story, God is like, this is my relationship with my people. I am married to my people and I love you so much that I will go buy you back foreshadowing to Jesus. But Imagine what that felt like for Hosea to watch his wife go sell herself to other people. And that's what God feels like when we go, you know, sell mm. ourselves to our sin and we partake in things that he has said, this isn't good for you. I love you and I care about you. Don't do this. It's going to harm you. And we're like, 
what? I'm going to go find out for myself. And then we go do it. And we're wondering why we feel the way that we do. But it comes from, a, I think, a misunderstanding of God, misunderstanding of ourselves, and allowing culture to influence us. Another scripture just popped into my mind, and it's in James. And he says, religion that God finds pure and faultless is caring for orphans, caring for widows. And the last part is keeping yourself unstained from the world. Like, don't allow those things to influence how you approach God. Don't allow those things to influence how you see the Lord. He tells you who he is. And we need to pray through trusting that. And our relationship with God will flourish and our lives will look so much different. We'll have peace and all these incredible things. And then maybe if he decides to still give us a spouse in light of all of that that we just talked about, then awesome. And if not, we still have an awesome incredible adventure filled life. Absolutely right. So, uh, I think we're getting to a time that we need to kind of, kind of land this plane and, uh, man, such an, such an awesome conversation about, you know, being married to Christ and, you know, what Christ has, has done for us and what our relationship with him looks like. But, uh, before we go, is there a verse that has been on your heart lately or a favorite verse of all time that you'd like to share with us? I know we've gone all over, over a lot of scripture, but is there one that maybe even you want to put more emphasis on too? That's okay too. Uh, what do you got? Um, I think this isn't a single verse, but I think I would just mm-hmm. encourage everybody to go read chapter 43 of Isaiah. God really okay. used that after I got out of a pretty not great relationship a few years ago and mm-hmm. use it to just speak life over me and the words that he uses to describe us and how much he loves and cares for us is amazing and it helped me understand God's heart for me. So Isaiah 43. Awesome. Awesome. And how can us and the listeners be praying for you as well as uh, where can we find you on social media? Well, social media is Taylor Renee Sear. It's my whole name. So Taylor Normal okay. Ray, Renee, R-E-N-E-E-C-Y-R. As far as prayer, I appreciate you asking that. Um, I think right now just that I would continue to trust God's word and his promises for my life. And that I wouldn't allow my outside situations to have say in how I experience life and how I experience God. All right, definitely. Well, we really appreciate you joining us for this episode, uh, Taylor. It's been awesome talking with you and just hearing, you know, what God has laid on your heart when it comes to being married to Christ, what that looks like. Uh, definitely a lot of good stuff in there. So, um, you know, really appreciate you joining us for this episode. Thank you for having me. And thank you for your married man's insight. That was, yeah, that was absolutely for me to make some connections. <laughs> All right, good. You're very welcome. So, <laughs> Everybody, we really appreciate you joining us for this episode. Be sure to like, subscribe, share with a friend that is struggling in their singleness that they can be encouraged and hopefully uplifted by this episode. But also exciting news coming up, episode 75. Be sure to tune in. We have some big changes, some really awesome things happening with the podcast that we'd love for you to hear about. So be sure to join us for that episode. Uh, But in the meantime, be sure to get out there, seize the day, maximize every chapter in your life. We'll see you next episode. Thanks for listening to the Thriving in Singleness podcast. Look for new episodes wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.